Hey you, if this is your first time joining, let me just say a huge welcome. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to um, to listen. I appreciate you truly. We recently hit a thousand plays and so you guys literally make my day um, and I and I hope and I pray that you know you are hearing what I'm saying but not just hearing it but that is reaching you deep down in in your heart um so thank you thank you for listening week after week episode after episode I appreciate you like for real so thank you and if this is your first time joining welcome um I know I haven't said that in a couple episodes so welcome welcome to the family um you know if I was in front of you I would give you a big old hug Um, But I appreciate you. Thank you for joining. Thank you for listening. And if you're not a part of the family, if you haven't, if you're not on the email list, please go ahead and find my link tree already in you, essentially link tree slash already in you Um, and join the email list. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on um, Facebook. Um, I would love to have you um, as a part of the family there as well. So when we ended the last episode I ended by saying heartache is necessary you remember and I can just imagine like if we were in a classroom or a church or somewhere I could just imagine how you would look at me like what you say girl heartache is what but I'm gonna say it again heartache and agony are necessary they are necessary components of life And I want us to talk about why. So that's what we're going to do in this episode. I'm about to read a really long passage in John chapter 11. So, you know, get a blanket, get a blanket, get your Bible um, or just listen. okay? but dig in and listen. I know it's it's when when you hear something that's long, you know, you tend to tune out. Please don't tune out. Right. If you need a break, pause. And then come back again. If you need a snack, pause. And then come back again. If you need some water, pause. And then come back again. But don't tune out. um, Because the words, you know, I'm about to read are important. Obviously because they're the Bible. But they're important nonetheless. So keep that in the back of your mind. Heartache and agony are necessary. Okay? So let's talk about why. Let's look at John chapter 11. And this is a story that we all know. Um... Maybe I shouldn't say that, that we know about, right? It's the story of Lazarus and his resurrection. Um, so like I said, this is long. We're reading to almost the end. So just be ready. Okay. John chapter 11, starting from verse one. Now, a certain man named Lazarus was ill. He was of Bethany, the village where Mary and her sister Martha lived. This Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. It was her brother Lazarus who was now sick. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, the one whom you love so well is sick. When Jesus received the message, he said, this sickness is not to end in death, but on the contrary, it is to honor God and to promote his glory that the son of God may be glorified through and by it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. They were his dear friends, and he held them in loving esteem. Therefore, even when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two days longer in the same place where he was. 
verse 7. Then after that interval, he said to his disciples, let us go back again to Judea. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews only recently were intending, intending and trying to stone you. And are you thinking of going back there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? Anyone who walks about in the daytime does not stumble because he sees by the light of this world. But if anyone walks about in the night, he does stumble because there, because there is no light in him. The light is lacking to him. Verse 11, he said these things and then added, our friend Lazarus is at rest and sleeping. But I am going there that I may awaken him out of his sleep. The disciples answered, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will recover. However, Jesus has spoken of his death, but they thought that he referred to falling into a refreshing and natural sleep. So then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Like, y'all not following me. He's dead. Okay, are we clear? You know, sorry. Okay, back to reading. Verse 15. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there. It will help you to believe, to trust and rely on me. However, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us go too, that we may die and be killed along with him. So when Jesus arrived, he found that he, Lazarus, had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, only about two miles away, and a considerable number of Jews had gone out to see Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, while Mary remained sitting in the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Master, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And even now I know that whatever you ask from God, he will grant it to you. Jesus said, your brother shall rise again. Martha replied, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am myself the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, although he may die, he shall live. Verse 26, and whoever continues to live and believes in me shall never die at all. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the son of God, even he who was to come into the world. It is for your coming that the world has waited. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary, privately whispering to her, the teacher is close at hand and is asking for you. And when she heard this, she sprang up quickly and went to him. Verse 30, now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the same spot where Martha had met him. When Jesus, who was sitting with her in the house and consoling her, saw how hastily Mary had arisen and gone out, they followed her, supposing, excuse me, let me read that again. Verse 31, when the Jews who were sitting with her in the house and consoling her, saw how hastily Mary had arisen and gone out, they followed her supposing that she was going to the tomb to pour out her grief there. When Mary came to the place where Jesus was and saw him, she dropped down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her sobbing and the Jews who came with her also sobbing, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. 
Verse 34, and he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. The Jews said, see how terribly he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened a blind man's eyes have prevented this man from dying? Now Jesus, again sighing repeatedly and deeply disquieted, approached the tomb. It was a cave, a hole in the rock, and a boulder lay against it, the entrance to close it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, exclaimed, but Lord, by this time he is decaying and throws off an offensive odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you and promise you that if you would believe and rely on me, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Yes, I know you always hear and listen to me, but I have said this on account of and for the benefit of the people standing around so that they may believe that you did send me and that you have made me your messenger. Verse 43. And when he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And out walked the man who had been dead, his hands and feet wrapped in burial cloths and linen strips and with a burial napkin bound around his face. And Jesus said to them, free him of the burial wrappings and let him go. Upon seeing what Jesus had done, many of the Jews who had come with Mary, believed in him. They trusted him and adhered to him and relied on him. Woo! So that was a long story. Um, And you might have to read it again on your own for it to really sink in. Okay, and so I invite you to do that. Please read it again um, when you get some time or listen to me read it again. You know, you can go ahead and rewind. You know, that's the good thing about a podcast. Rewind it and and listen again and let it sink in. But sometimes it sinks in a little more when you read it yourself. But there are a couple of things I want you to tuck into your rainy day kits, right? For the trouble that's already here or for the trouble that we know is going to show up at some point. We are quickly approaching February. And if you have had a rosy 2022 so far, congratulations. That's beautiful. I'm grateful for that for you. Um, But at the same time, like we talked about in the last episode, we know that trouble comes, right? Remember, the Lord said in this world, you will have troubles. Um, And so it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And so all the things that we're talking about in these sets of episodes is to prepare you, okay? This is for you to tuck into that kit so that when the rainy days come, if they're not here already, you are more than equipped to get through it. And not just get through it like by the skin of your teeth, you know, oh, I made it. I just made it. No, but to get through it vibrantly, you know, victoriously, like, yes, I conquered that thing with the help of the Lord, of course, but I conquered it. You know, um, I believe that we can be victorious over agony and heartache and over the 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 the, the sufferings of this present moment. Right. Um, and so that's what all this is about. So get out your rainy day kit. And put everything I'm about to tell you in there, okay? If you need to take notes or just make mental notes, let's do that too. All the all of those things so that we have what we need, all right? So 
let's start at the top and we're not going to finish dissecting this today okay um i'm going to start it and in the next episode we're going to keep going right here in this passage and we're going to keep going until we get to the end so lazarus is sick right verse three says so the sisters sisters sent to him saying lord the one whom you love so well is sick verse five says now jesus loved martha and her sister and lazarus they were his dear friends and he held them in loving esteem the first thing i want you to understand right remember we're talking about agony and heartache are necessary okay that's i want you to keep that in the back of your mind the first thing i want you to understand here comes from those two verses the bible says they came to him saying lord he whom you love so well is sick Verse five reiterates the love. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. They were his friends and he held them in loving esteem. So what does that tell us? Right. What does that say to you? Listen, your proximity to Jesus does not shield you from the wiles of human life. Did you hear me? Your proximity to Jesus does not shield you from the wiles of human life. You would think, you would think that if John felt the need to say this more than once, within three verses, he said it twice. It's obvious to not just John, but to the people around John, that Lazarus, Mary, and Martha were really, really loved by the Lord. They were close. The Bible says they were his dear friends and he held them in loving esteem. And when the sisters sent for Jesus, they said to him, the one whom you love so well is sick. So it's not a question of whether Jesus really, really loved him. If John could say it twice in in three verses, it must be clear that Jesus really loved them. And so in spite of the love affair, in spite of the, 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 the reciprocal love that these four people were sharing amongst each other, it did not shield Lazarus from getting sick. It did not shield Mary and Martha from experiencing grief of, of a loss. So your proximity to Jesus does not shield you from the wiles of human life. Some people think that if I could just get closer and closer to Jesus, I won't have no issues. And let me submit to you that that is false. Because here we see it right here. He loved these people and yet agony and heartache still found them. Listen, in this world, you will have trouble. Despite the love professed over and over, trouble still found them. They were in his inner circle, not a friend of a friend of a friend. These were Jesus's aces. Okay, you know, Lazarus wasn't a a disciple, but I but I would even think that Lazarus was closer to Jesus than some of the disciples. You know, a.k.a. Judas. I would think that somebody who the Lord records loving so well is probably closer to the one who was stealing and, 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 you know, just a little bit of a mess. So these people were in this inner circle. So please understand that the fervor with which you love God and serve God does not preclude you from struggles. Yes, you are a man of God, but you're still a man. 
Yes, you are a woman of God, but you're still a woman. The presence of trials is not necessarily a tell on your spiritual standing. And I think that's something that we've come to think, right? In John chapter nine, um, uh, Jesus and his disciples come across a blind man and, and the disciples ask Jesus, who sinned? Who sinned that he was born blind? Because for them, in their mindset, it had to be sin. A man can't just be born blind for no reason, right? Come on. Like who sinned? Was it him? Was it his parents? Either his sin or his parents' sin. But then Jesus corrects them. And he said, it's not about sin. So your proximity counts for something, but not for that. But we'll get, we'll get back to that story soon. John repeats the love these four share throughout the story to remind us that the testing of our faith is not a denial of his love. What you say? Say it again. Of course, the testing of your faith is not a denial of his love. Somebody put that on a T-shirt so we could all wear it. Just because I am going through trials does not mean that I have been denied the love of my father. It actually means the opposite. Just because you're enduring a horrible time does not mean that the father is gone. He's still right there loving you while the waves crash crash against your ship. So the testing of your faith is not a denial of his love. I need you to understand again that your proximity to Jesus does not preclude you from the wiles of human life. Some people might say it actually attracts you to him, but we won't go there, right? I just want you to know that just because you are serving God with all your heart and mind does not mean that you are going to be shielded from issues. And just because you have an issue does not mean that the father is gone. I think John continues to repeat the love of God so that we get that mental picture in our heads. Yes, they are going through a hard time, but God loves them. Jesus loves them. Why do you, why does the Bible record that he loved each of them individually? Do you remember? It said, I lo- he loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So why does the Bible record that he loved each of them individually? Couldn't John just have said that Jesus loves the family of the Ben Judas? That wasn't their last name. I don't know what their last name was, but just go with me. I'm not adding to the Bible. I'm just making a point. He could easily have said, oh, the Lord loved the Ben Judas. Or he could say, or the Smiths, Lazarus Smith, Martha Smith, Murray Smith. He could have easily said, I love the Smiths. I love the Ben Judas. I love um, 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 the Richardsons or whatever. He could easily have said that. Or he could even, he could even have said, I love them. And we, we would know on our end that he's talking about them Mary, Martha, and Lazarus individually. He could have said, John could have written it like he loved them. Simple. But each one is individually highlighted in the scripture. Why? Because he sees you and he loves you. Not just all the children of the world, but you specifically. You, 
you. He sees you individually, not one member of the human race, not one member of whatever family you belong to, not one member of the the the, the African-American race, the Caucasian race, the Asian race. No, he sees you, you as specific as you are a person. He sees you. That's why he took the time to 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 to, to pick out each one of them. He didn't group them as the siblings. He said, I love Martha and her sister and Mary. I mean, and Lazarus. He sees you. You born January 27th. You standing five foot two. You the first child of your parents. You the mother of two amazing girls. You. It's not meant to be a generalization. There is outright specificity on the mind of Christ when he says he loves you. Stop dismissing his proclamations of love for you as mere generalities. No, sir, and no, ma'am. He loves you. And he itemized each and every one of them in that family so that it was clear that he loved each of them specifically. I believe he loved them as a unit, but he also loved them specifically. So I want you to know that in everything you're going through, in everything you will go through, he sees you. Now let's go to the second thing. In verse four, when Jesus received the message, he said, this sickness is not to end in death, but on the contrary, it is to honor God and to promote his glory, that the son of God may be glorified through and by it. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there. It will help you to believe, to trust, and to rely on me. For whose sake? Mine and yours. He said, and for your sake, I'm glad. So for whose sake? Mine and yours. In the story of the blind man that I referenced in John chapter 9, remember, the disciples thought sin was the issue. Jesus corrected them by saying nobody sinned. This was done that the works of God may be made manifest in him. In other words, this was allowed for my glory so that the world could see and know who I am. I allowed this so that the cloud of witnesses gets a little bigger in your addition to it. Do you see now why James said, count it all joy when you go through things. There is glory that the Lord wants to get from your life. So in a way, your trials are actually a privilege. If you allow yourself to see these issues from the standpoint of our father, you will see them as opportunities. Opportunities for your life to showcase the magnificence of God. So now I am a part of that cloud of witnesses that the book of Hebrews talks about. If you're familiar with the hall of faith, then you're familiar with the Bible's outlining of several people. And this is something we talked about before, but several people who have endured amazing things for the sake of the the glory of God. And so when you think about it, Jesus said it is an honor It is to honor God and promote his glory that the son of God may be glorified by it. And for your sake, I'm glad that I wasn't there. 
So for our sakes, verse five and six said, now Jesus loved Martha, etc. We just read that. Therefore, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two days longer in the same place where he was. That's verse five and verse six. Verse 18 says, Bethany was near Jerusalem, only about two miles away. So if you read the Bible like me, your eyebrow is probably raised and you've given John major side eye like, wait now, you just told us that you love them so much. But then you say you love them so much that you stayed away for two more days. What's going on, John? Were you sleepy when you recorded this part? Did Jesus preach too long the night before and you were tired or you heard him wrong? Did you get confused or what exactly happened? Because that doesn't make sense. In our estimation, that scripture should have been written that he loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus so much that when he heard, he dropped everything he was doing and ran by foot to the place where Lazarus lay. He got there panting and wheezing, but he got there quickly. Okay, don't you think that's what it should say? Now we talking, right? If I had written it, that's exactly what it would have said. Because that's what our minds tell us. Right, Lord, you need to drop. Did you hear that my brother's about to be dead? You need to drop everything you're doing and start out by foot. Forget the donkey. You are God. You could get here in minutes. And even if, you know, okay, maybe in this in this time frame, you are limited by the humanness of your body. Even though he wasn't because he was human and yet he was still God. But let's just go with that. You're limited by the humanness of your body. So you run. The Bible just told us that Bethany was only two miles away. About two miles. So it's probably 1.72 miles. So our minds tell us, listen, even if you had started walking, you could have got there in a couple of hours. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. He was tired. Okay, so maybe five hours. You could have got there in five hours. But the Bible says... Let's go back to it. Now, Jesus loved Mary and Martha, blah, blah, blah. Therefore, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he still stayed two days longer in the same place where he was. I just, to make matters worse, I mean, I just can't even wrap my mind around it. To make matters worse, John chooses to add the time. Jesus is only two miles away from where Lazarus was. I want you to think about that. Two miles is a five minute drive, maybe 10. Two miles is a, is a depending on how fast you run, is maybe a four or five hour run two or less. Hello, uh, Olympic athletes. Two miles is literally nothing. He could have walked that in a few hours. He could have rode a donkey in even less time. But the Bible mentions that he loved them so much that he stayed away for two more days. Not two hours, y'all. Two whole days, 48 hours later. Oh, come on. Somebody needs to whisper to themselves. It's prolonged on purpose. And I'm talking to myself in this very moment. It is prolonged on purpose 
It's not a matter of ability. It's not a matter of convenience. It's prolonged on purpose. And that purpose is love. Did you read that with me? Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Therefore, when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two days longer. It's prolonged on purpose. And that is love. The purpose is love. He loves you so much that he's prolonging it. And I know that that's counterintuitive. I know that that doesn't make sense. I know that your mind can't really receive that. It's like, what you mean? If you love me, you would stop this thing now. That's what our minds tell us. Because we have a very limited understanding of true love. It's prolonged on purpose. And that purpose is love. When Jesus was talking to Abram, I'm not sure if his name was Abraham yet or not. I think it was. Yeah, it was. I think it was Abraham by now. Jesus, well, by Jesus, I mean the angel of the Lord. Okay, so when you're reading the um, Old Testament and you come across the angel of the Lord, I want you to understand that that's Jesus. Um, it's, but it's Jesus before he was revealed as Jesus. So anyway, when Jesus comes to Abraham and, you know, he begins to talk and the Bible says that Sarah laughed and all that. Jesus says something to her. He said, is anything too hard for the Lord? Now he's talking to someone who's been waiting and not a little bit of waiting, y'all. This chick is waiting and she is in her nineties and still waiting. And that's kind of where you can get a picture of and understand that if 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 your agony and your pain is prolonged then there's a likelihood that is prolonged on purpose and and the purpose of that thing is love y'all we have a good father and he doesn't do things all willy-nilly he doesn't do things just because he feels like it he does them on purpose and that purpose is love he's loves me he loves me so much that he's allowing it for a little while longer remember the testing of our faith is not a denial of his love it's actually proof of his love so the next time your mind starts to tell you you know what he must he must not be thinking about me maybe i'm number 15 on this on this list Maybe I'm number 1 billion 15, right? Because there's 7 billion people walking this earth. Maybe he's not. Maybe, you know, maybe he doesn't have time for me. The next time that crosses your mind, remember that if it's prolonged, it's prolonged on purpose. And that purpose is love. The Bible tells us that he loved them so much that he stayed away. Because in the end, it will work out for my good. And I don't want to jump the gun, but let's keep going. I'll do one more point and then we'll pick it up in the next episode. Verse 21 and 22 says this. Martha then said to Jesus, Master, if you had been here, my brother brother would not have died. And even now I know that whatever you ask from God, he will grant it to you. When Mary came to the place where Jesus was and saw him, she dropped down at his feet. 
saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Mary and Martha said it as a statement of absolute fact. Verse 21 and 22 was Martha. Verse 32 was Mary. And they said it as a matter of absolute fact. They weren't confused on it. If you had been here, it wouldn't have happened. Period. Listen, your faith must be intact when you are dealing with heartache and agony. If you had been here, my brother would not be dead. Your faith must be intact when you're dealing with heartache and agony. The problem is that this is typically when we let our faith die. It's in the presence of agony and heartache that we literally almost have no faith. You didn't do it the way I thought you would. So you must not be able. You didn't do it the way I thought you would. So you must not love me. You didn't do it the way I thought you would, so you must not care. Right? We let our faith dwindle into nothing because of what's happening to us, but these are all false. You have to know that you know that you know that God not only loves you, but that he's more than able to do what you need him to do. So whether he does it the way you want him to, or he does it the way he intends to do it, Your faith has to be intact that says, I know that my father loves me. I know that everything he does has purpose. I know that he wants to bring me to an expected end, that he wants to give me a future and of hope. Listen, your faith has to be intact. Remember, we are already close, right? The Bible already says that they were besties. He's already professed his love for me, specifically me. We talked about that just now. So I have to do the same. I have to be ready to say the same right back to him. I know you. I know your character. And my disappointment that you didn't do it my way, according to my expectation, does not change who I know you are. Mary's faith was fully intact despite her discouragement. And Martha knew what she knew, though her brother was at the moment decaying in the grave. Listen, your faith matters. Hebrews 10.35 says, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Listen, keep your faith intact. Keep your faith intact and so right now we've talked about a bunch of things like I said we're not we're going to continue um, in the next episode talking about this but I want you to remember that your proximity to Jesus does not shield you from the wiles of human life he loved the three of them And yet they still found themselves in the midst of a very thick and serious agony. 
Remember that the testing of your faith is not a denial of his love. Remember that the Bible tells us that Jehovah sees me. He sees you. He loves you. You're not just one of a million. He sees you. So in the midst of what you're going through, never forget that you are seen by the Lord. Remember also that just because you're going through something does not mean that the Lord has somehow left you or that somehow you've sinned. It could be, but it also could not be. So it's for our sakes, for our sakes. Remember, for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there. So it's for our sake. Remember also that the Bible says he delayed. He delayed on purpose. So I want you to remember if it's prolonged, it's prolonged on purpose. And that purpose is love. The testing of your faith is not a denial of his love. It's actually proof of his love. And then I want you also to remember that your faith must be intact when you're dealing with heartache and agony. And even though everything will fight it in that moment, do everything in your power to keep it alive, to keep it breathing. Because your confidence, your faith has great reward. And when we come back in the next episode, we're going to go further. But remember, all you need for life and for godliness has been given to you. It's already given. It's already yours. It's already in you. I love you plenty.